Chocolate. 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 From Dame Cacao, I'm Max Gandy, and this is Chocolate on the Road, the show where we explore hot topics surrounding cacao and chocolate cultures around the world. So let's hit the road. Bula chocolate lovers, today's episode is all about Fiji, a small island nation in the South Pacific with about 900,000 citizens. In case you're wondering, Bula is the Fijian way of saying, hey, hello, how you doing? Vinaka means thank you. The islands are a popular destination for vacationing Australians and New Zealanders. Unfortunately, the visitors are concentrated in one area near the international airport in Nandi. The rest of the country is lush and stunning, but relatively untouristed. Here's a 30-second primer on the country. Fiji is a beautiful island in the South Pacific. I believe it has about 300-plus islands. There's our main island, which is Vanua Island, and also Viti Levu. And that's the island that we are on right now. And, and of course, Fiji is now well known as we have won the gold medal in the Olympics for rugby. So that, and plus, obviously, the famous Fiji water. This is Zane Khan, a chocolate maker in the town of Nandi. We'll hear more from Zane later, as there's a lot of history to cover before we get to local chocolate making. Fiji has been inhabited for thousands of years. Melanesian tribal patterns can be spotted in clothing, souvenirs, and even tattoos. Fijian people are quick to smile. Taro, cassava, and seafood are the basis for many traditional dishes. And similar to Hawaii, the island group's names can get a bit confusing. But for this episode, there are two main islands to be aware of. Viti Levu and Vanua Levu. Viti Levu is the main island. On Viti Levu is the international hub of Nandi and the country's capital of Suva. The other island, Vanua Levu, is home to the city of Savu Savu. The city of Savu Savu is a lush paradise, better known to yacht owners than resort goers. We'll be starting our story in Nandi, but Fiji's relationship with cacao takes us throughout the country. In the early 1800s, Europeans established trade relationships with native Fijians, but by late 1800s, surprise, surprise, the British had claimed Fiji as a colony. Shortly thereafter, they began trafficking in people from their already established colony of India. So many Indians were taken to Fiji that the country's population is now about a third Indo-Fijian. Many of these 4th and 5th generation Indians still speak Hindi and practice Hinduism and many other cultural aspects. But people were, of course, not the only thing that the British brought to the South Pacific. Around the same time, the Brits also brought cacao. And now, over a century later, people are using that cacao to make some truly Fijian chocolates. Tomo is the first, starting about 15 years ago. In Savu Savu. My name is Tomo Zukoshi. 
originally from Japan. I make chocolate and I've uh, been living here for about 6-17 years in Fiji. I do have a plantation in the north, but uh, you know, we source a lot more from this same island, from support all the farmers. And what's the name of your company? We have two names, but in the most famous one here in Fiji called Andy Chocolate. But we have no product about Andy Chocolate. And our product is the Fijiana cacao. What do you know about how cacao came to Fiji and was planted here? Yeah, I know the history here. It's, uh, it's written over here. Yeah, this is it. Uh, okay. I put a little bit of history. In 1883, the Royal Botanical Garden of England, we call this the Kew Garden, and uh, they shipped the far, in a batch of cacao to Fiji. But before that, there was a story for that. Kew Garden, the Royal Botanical Garden of Great Britain, they sent a ship to a Trinidad Tobago. They know that Trinidad have beautiful in cacao. And at the time, they brought the cocoa pods and thing. And then soon after they left the island, Trinidad has the biggest cyclone that they evacuated entire cocoa plantation. So they ended up bringing some of the uh, Amazon variety to mix. And it's called a Trinitario. But before the Trinitario, the British took that to the Kew Garden. And then they grow as a seedling and make it to a small branch. And at the same time, the British start putting the tax on the sugar coming from uh, you know, South America. And uh, sugar price goes up, also that the cacao price goes up. So the Lord Kimberley, I think, he knows that his colony, which is Fiji or like uh, Ceylon, which is Sri Lanka, you know, they can grow the cacao as well. So he thinks, okay, let me plant some cacao to those islands. So it's not coming from South America, coming from you know, South Pacific. So there's not going to be the tax, import duty tax. So he tried to send it out in 1882 with a mailing ship and it failed. And the next year, he decided to use some hubs. They probably stopped at South Africa and they stayed there for a little bit. And then they moved to uh, Ceylon. And then from Ceylon, they shipped to Sydney. And then Sydney Botanical Garden kept it for a little bit. And then from there, the mailing ship coming to Fiji. So they put it onto the mailing ship and landed to Fiji. That's 1883. Wow. And the time, the cacao was a bit left. But 25 years later of that, you know, 1882, another agronomist from UK came to Fiji to research about the cocoa that somebody had planted a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't find any in that place where they landed, but they found the cocoa everywhere in, in Fiji. So they must have planted in a bringing to the in special variety, but then there was no use of that, except you know, the wild birds eat or the kids maybe eat only the outer one, but they only like to have a sweeter one, which is a forestero. But the time they brought is a nearly criollo to the uh, Trinitario, the mix. And they are the, a bit bitter in, in, in a fresh, right, compared to the forestero. So they like to eat sweeter ones, so they plant more forestero to amenandos and in all those varieties.
you think that humans and animals may have spread the cocoa out from that original? Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, the, and after that, like Germans and, you know, like Fiji government asking Malaysia, you know, to you know, come in to do some teaching. And then, the, you know, government did some borrowing from the World Bank to do the nucleus plantation project. And they did it well for a short time. But then, after the cyclone, and you know the plantation is so huge, like 100 acres, 150 acres, which is about I don't know 50 hectares, then you know 70 hectares like that. So they couldn't revitalize because the revitalization requires lots of funding without any income. So farmers giving up, and the government's kind of giving up, and the market at the same time crashing down. So they decided not to do anything. And after that, we came in. So there was a cocoa all over Fiji, but then nobody buys anything, and it's almost like a jungle. Back in the 80s, a lot of people were planting cocoa on yes. Fiji. Yeah, that's the time. they just let it go. Yeah, because there was no demand. Even there was a demand, the processing requires like fermentation to the sun drying, requires a lot of technique, right? But at that time, government was asking Malaysia or Equator, you know, areas, country, to come to teach how to do the fermentations and things. And they're different, the climate, compared to the, you know, southernmost end of the cocoa belt. We're probably the coldest area for country to grow the cocoa. Here in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, here in Hawaii, yes. So we, we have to apply for the special technique. And wintertime in, in one of the plantations we have is going down to 16 degrees, you know. Wow. And even the cocoa plant doesn't grow because the cocoa butter on the uh, cotyledon doesn't melt into the nutrients. So they grow the cocoa as a malnutrition and then go out with kind of deformation and thing because of the temperature is so cold. Even fermentation, the temperature never goes up to, you know, 40 and 50 degrees Celsius. So there's a lot of different techniques to do the fermentation in Fiji, same as in Hawaii. This is not the last we'll hear from Tomo, but to get a fuller picture of Fijian chocolate right now, we'll fly to Vanualevu. Fiji Airways is the only commercial airline with flights between the islands, and their planes are tiny. So pretend you've just stepped onto a scale with your luggage, boarded an 18-seater plane, and held on for dear life. Now we're in Savu Savu, the main city of Vanualevu. The city is just over an hour's drive from Cacao Fiji, a commercial cacao farm on the north side of the island. We visited in January, during rainy season which brings lusher greenery than I could have ever imagined. We came here to speak with Benjamin, the operations manager for Cacao Fiji. 
since we spoke outside, some parts of our interview are a bit windy. And please ignore the sounds of nature. My name is Benjamin Fongtoy. I'm the operations manager in Kakao and Rikete, Bonolo, Fiji. Hmm. And did you grow up in this area? Yeah, I, I grew up in this area since childbirth. Do local people here tend to know about Coco or maybe from the beginning of this project people know more? They know Coco too, but um, there's some old farmers too in Coco, but they have no interest in Coco farm. So could you tell me about what you and the team are currently doing here at Kakao Fiji? Well, we are, right now we are pruning in trees, we are, we are removing black pods, we are harvesting. And uh, we are also doing our small budwood garden of 500 trees. And about how many trees are you taking care of right now? Taking about 10,000 trees. And the other farmers who you collect from, how many trees are they caring for? Probably a similar number? Yeah, maybe 10,000 trees as well. So the farmers that you're collecting from, do they tend to care for the trees in a similar way? I've been to farmers, but all they do is just um, bring ringweed and harvesting, that's all. They don't prune or anything? Uh, hardly prune, hardly. So what do the farmers that you're working with think of the cocoa? Were, what were they doing with it before you started buying them? They used to sell before, but they stopped because there wasn't any market. I went down in 2016 to Dama village, the Sinboa. That's when I started buying from them. They started encouraging them to sell and start uh, working with the cocoa field again. So if anybody was buying cocoa here before, what company was buying cocoa? The government was buying before, late 1980s. government was buying, but uh, after the government stopped, all the cocoa farmers, they know there was a market, so they just closed. There wasn't an interest anymore in selling cocoa till this company came in, Cacao Fiji. Then they start motivating them to start working in the cocoa field again, start selling. So they just sort of forgot about their trees? Forget it for about what, 15 years. Just left like that. It seems difficult to just leave trees on your land. Did they do anything with the cocoa? Did they eat it like a fruit or anything? Uh, some farmers, they started removing cocoa trees and started planting cover trees instead of cocoa. Really? Cover and some, some yeah, they just, just moved away cocoa because there was no market, so... They was confused what to do with it. It's taking most of the land. So Marissa just move it and start doing something else like planting kava or breeding animals. If you haven't heard of kava, spelled K-A-V-A, you should know that it's a South Pacific plant related to pepper. On Fiji, it's most often consumed as a drink. It has calming and muscle relaxing effects, and it's been used ceremonially in the region for centuries. Right now, kava prices are high. So many farmers are switching to growing kava, including those who currently grow cacao. But with the support of the government, Benjamin and his small team are working to convince local farmers to keep their existing cacao. Along with their own crop, the team buys cacao from many farmers in the region. They send some of their harvest to Nandi, where the owners of Cacao Fiji turn it into Vanua chocolate. These are some of the challenges they face in getting it there. Here on the farm, how many types of cacao are you growing right now? Uh, right now we have two varieties. We have uh, Arnado and Tintirio. The French uh, Sirad has a branch in the South Pacific. 
in Vanuatu. Is there also a, an agricultural cocoa center presence on Fiji? I'm not really sure. I have no idea. Probably in Vitilevu, but I haven't heard about it. <laughs> what what kind of work does the government do to support cocoa farmers, if anything? Well, they help us. Uh, they give us an uh, extension officer, agriculture officer, who comes up and gives advice. They also give us chemicals, a brush cutter. They gave us a solar light. And also, they gave us a tractor and a nursery as well. Is also from the government? Cocoa have a budget every year. So, so that budget helps cocoa farmers upgrade their lives in their farming. Are there a lot of cocoa farmers on Fiji? To my knowledge, there, there's a lot of cocoa farmers. Well, the government doesn't buy cocoa, but the government is trying to help cocoa farmers because now in Fiji there's a lot of market for cocoa makers. So, the government just uh, upgrading cocoa farmers to come back to cocoa farming because there's market now. Where is the government seeing this market? How how are they learning about a market for Fijian cocoa? I think they're getting the knowledge from overseas because uh, right now cocoa, dry cocoa beans, they're big demand now. There's other farmers too. They've sent the cocoa beans to overseas, like France. They're, they're winning awards as well. And every year, the, the Ministry of Agriculture, they're having cocoa day. Only cocoa farmers. Yeah. And they come and demonstrate about cocoa. Oh, cool. Co- cocoa chocolate making, cocoa trees, cocoa pots. There's a competition. Whoever wins get a prize. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's the time cocoa is blooming at the time. Hmm. So, you know, you have to take your pods, you show your pods. How big it is, and cocoa some some small trees. If you're a cocoa processor, you take some chocolate sample and taste it there. <laughs> that's a that's a cute competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how are you packing up the cacao to prepare some for export or for sending over to the other island to be made into chocolate? From the dryer, we we do the QC. We select the good beans from the bad ones. Then we pack it in a green prop of 50 kg and uh, 25 kg then we put in a jute bag and then we sweat then we ship track it and we send it over and usually how long does it take to arrive to the other island and how long does it take to arrive to other markets uh, if you send it today you're reaching the other island today but if you send it um, the other markets depending on ship freight I mean like ship when does it leave maybe to New Zealand it, it uh, arrives in one week and maybe America gets about one month. Very long trip. Very long trip. Well, three weeks. Depending on how, how fast the ship goes, eh? The loading yeah. and offloading. Depends on the wind. Depends yeah. What percent of the cocoa that you're processing do you send over to be made into chocolate? And how much do you export? When I send it overseas, I send it directly. Ah. So it doesn't go to Nandi. I send only the cocoa that goes to Nandi for our chocolate. But the one I send it to America, to France, to to Australia, I just send it from here, I send it direct to them. And about how, what percent of the cocoa that you're producing gets sent overseas? About 90%. 90%? Mm. Oh, wow. So, is, do local people consume chocolate at all? Do local people eat chocolate? Yeah. But uh, they used to the, you know, the canton berry, the sweet ones now. But now, since this dark chocolate are coming, uh, I see few people that they are consuming this dark 70%, 80%. Mm-hmm. They, they now they come in to start tasting it. Eh? Before, yeah. they, there was no knowledge about the dark chocolate, so they just buy all the sweet ones. Do Fijians tend to like sweeter things, or 
more complex, different flavors. Sweeter. Yeah. We've seen a lot of like snack foods this here. One, this one, yeah. mm. Fiji people, they have sweet teeth. To keep up with those sweet teeth, many Fijians are starting to indulge in locally made chocolate. While Tomo's Fijiana brand is the oldest on the islands, some younger companies have entered the scene. The farm side is Cacao Fiji. And for the chocolate bit, it's one more chocolate. Zane Khan, the woman we heard from earlier, is co-founder of Vanwa Chocolate, along with her husband, Arif. They also own Cacao Fiji, the cacao processor managed by Benjamin Fungtoy. Zane moved here with her husband, who grew up on Fiji, some years ago. They started Cacao Fiji in 2015 and Vanwa Chocolate just three years later a full decade after Tomo began Andi chocolate and Fijiana cacao. But in the many years between, domestic chocolate consumption has largely remained in the hands of tourists. As Benjamin said, Fijians have sweet teeth. When you look around at the supermarkets, what kinds of chocolate products do you see on offer? When I did come here, main chocolate here was Cadbury. That's still really all I see when I yeah. looked in the convenience store in the supermarket. Correct. Now now I do see some artesian chocolate. Uh, well, I shouldn't say artesian chocolate, but um, Whitaker's. Is that Whitaker's? You yeah, see like more, more highbrow stuff. More, yeah, you see that. But you do see the darker chocolate because now they do see um, the health benefits of eating dark chocolate. So you do see that... In the high-end supermarkets. Where are those high-end supermarkets usually located? Here in Nindi, uh, in Suva. So and mostly on the mainland. Yeah, mainland. Do local people eat chocolate or consume cacao in any way? I can tell you they love chocolate, but dark chocolate is something that they have to get used to. They prefer more of the milky chocolate, the white chocolates. That's, that's chocolate to them, but... Once they do try our 60%, they're pretty fascinated with it and intrigued that uh, chocolate is made here. Is that why you have the 60% as your sort of base chocolate? Correct. Correct. They like more on the sweeter yeah. side. What are some typical or traditional Fijian desserts? And how do people consume? Do they tend to consume dessert after a meal or drink anything? They have a cassava cake. They have coconut, some type of coconut pie. They have puddings. And that's after. How is the Fijian chocolate industry? How would you describe it? As mentioned before, I think our main purchases are tourists. Yeah, not, not your average locals, because they look for the sweeter chocolates. But our tourist market is what who purchase our bars. And do they usually buy the bars, or do they also go for baked goods or the drinks? Yeah, we do have some stopovers for tourists. They come in and they purchase the bars as well as buy cocoa nibs. So what role would you say tourism plays in keeping Fiji's cocoa and chocolate industry alive? They play quite a, a big role. That's what the tourists look for, something local 
to me, I think that's a, a major drive to keep it alive. Do you retail more of your bars, or do you sell direct to consumer? Do you retail, retail. through other? Retail. Mostly through other? Through other, yeah. The importance of tourism to Fiji's economy cannot be understated. Access to tourist dollars is a huge consideration for many Fijian industries. Chocolate is one of those. Here, once again, is Tomozikoshi. You were mentioning earlier that there are maybe five chocolate makers. In yes, Fiji yes, right yeah. So how is the local chocolate industry? How has it changed? Since well, I, th- I some people say the competition is scary and not good, but then to me, it's increased the awareness of the chocolate in Fiji, and looks like we never lose any uh, sales at this moment, and uh, also giving us a bit of a yeah slap on the back and do yeah do your job and things so i think it's better to have more companies start making chocolate they're probably going to have a crazy idea beautiful way of making chocolate so entire fiji's consume about 500 tons of chocolate a year so we have more than enough We, we import a lot of chocolate so if we can just make it to, towards, they say, 10% import and 90% all local made, that would be great. And it's potential to do that. But farmer has to work together. Or like we have to plant more in the varieties of a different type of cocoa in the different seasons. What role does tourism play in keeping Fiji's cocoa and chocolate industry going? How many tourists visit Fiji each year? We have nearly uh, uh, one million, you know, like 900,000. Uh, our population 900,000, and we have another 900,000 to one million coming. So we have a two million country, and wow. tourists drops a lot of money. And, and we, we calculate 32% of the tourists by calculation wow. of the number of chocolate I, I make including the turn-down chocolate for the hotels, you know, all those things. So I mean, we did not see very many tourists at all once we left the airport, when we got over to Savu Savu oh, yeah. and up to Jaketi and over to Suva. We saw very few tourists. Do you have any idea how many of them go directly to the islands off the coast? Well, to this side island in the west coast... There's a lot of people moving around, but not too much to the Bano Lebu, to like Lau, there's another island, Tabiunis, and you know. Those are the uh, hidden paradise. And that's what we call Sabu as a hidden paradise. They still practice the classic, authentic way of Fijian living, and it's just a beautiful place. When Tomo originally settled on Fiji, he arrived in Savu Savu. From personal experience, I can confirm that it does fit the idea of a hidden paradise. But so does much of the rest of Fiji, including Olsen Farm. The private farm, located near the capital city of Suva, represents perhaps the third stage of Fiji's chocolate industry. Yuta and Michael Olsen, the owners of the farm, have been working to bring their cacao trees back into production. Their farm manager, Nico, takes care of all the trees, with some help. My name is Nico. I'm 36 years old. 
I live in Namau. I've been the farm manager of the Olsen farm here in Fiji. Nico grew up in Namau, just down the road from the farm. Michael Olsen hired him years ago to rehabilitate the remote cacao farm. But the more recent addition of processing the beans into chocolate on site is a completely new concept. I asked Nico for some insight into locals' perspective on cacao and whether it has a future in Fiji. When you were a kid, did you ever have chocolate or did you eat the cocoa fruits or eat any dried cocoa beans? The cocoa beans from our grandparents, grandfather, back in their days. And when I was a young boy, we never knew anything about the cocoa beans that has to be processed to have chocolate. The grandparents uh, back in their days, they only knew selling dry beans. That's all they know about cocoa. But to be processed into chocolate, they have uh, no idea about that. Do people want their kids to become farmers as they've been? Or how do people perceive farmers and farming as a job? Most families in Fiji, they keep their child like the farming is the last option. I've seen in some villages, when someone cannot complete his school, then he have to go back to the village and uh, do farming. Mm. So, like they see farming is some job that is very hard because most of them, they want to cultivate their land, but they don't have any machines to do the work or any other. So they have to do it by themselves. So they choose to study and go and look for some other jobs in town. What kind of care does the farm require? What do you do? out in the fields. We plant some new trees. Most of the trees are old trees. They have been planted 37 years, 38 years ago. When I was just a young boy, I could remember that our grandfathers, they have been planting cocoa since then in Namo. Do you eat chocolate now? Or do your, do your kids eat chocolate too? Yes, we eat chocolate here, especially when uh, we are processing some, grinding some beans at home. We normally eat, yes, the fresh chocolate, the one we just harvested it, dry, sun-dried them, and then we put it in the conching machine with all this process, then we have a chocolate at home. Is it common that Fijians eat chocolate? No, back in those days, we only knew that cocoa... We need to sell the beans. Now, we know that chocolate are made from cocoa beans. Then, yeah, some of the Fijians are now getting used to eating chocolate. So are there other cocoa farmers around this area, around the farm? Yes, there are cocoa farmers around the farm here. All the families here in Namau. They have cocoa patches themselves with each house. They all have a cocoa patch. How do the nearby cocoa farmers process their cacao and who do they sell that cocoa to? They sell their cocos to the local buyers here. I can remember when I was at home before I moved up to the farm. 
They used to sell the beans, dry beans, to two buyers. They came into the village, weigh the beans, and then they take the beans with them in their car. And are these local buyers making chocolate? What do they do with the beans? Some of them, they are making chocolate from the beans they buy from here, especially one Chinese man. His name is Tomo. I think he's in Vanulevu now. Andy Chocolate, the name of his uh, company, is making some chocolate there from the beans. Most of the farmers, they choose to go for other crops, as the price is not that good at the moment compared to the labor. What is the price for cocoa for buyers who are buying in this area? Do you have any idea? At the moment, it's $5 a kilo. Five Fijian dollars a kilo. So that's about $2.40 U.S. After spending two days with Nico and his family on the farm, I believe that this approach to Fiji and cacao will be a fruitful one. Over the last few years, Nico has rehabilitated much of the land and is planting more trees to continue producing for decades. Over in Europe, the Olsons are creating a brand for their beautifully fermented cacao and eventually branded chocolates. Another huge thank you to the Olsons for inviting us to visit and to Nico and his family for taking such good care of us. Vinaka. But even with smaller operations across the country, Fiji and Cacao's future isn't written in stone. In case you missed it, Nico actually named Tomo Tsukoshi as the buyer for many local cacao beans. Tomo does indeed buy cacao from farmers on both of the main islands, Some of these farmers he's known for over a decade, and he's maintained these relationships even when it doesn't make any financial sense. His company's dedication to Fijian cacao farmers is wholehearted. So to conclude this episode, let's hear some final thoughts from the man himself. So is there anything else that you'd like to share about cocoa or chocolate on Fiji? Well, not only in Fiji, but like a lot of people from the world coming to Fiji you know, they're a big company and they can buy a lot of cocoa and then they really confuse the farmers here in Fiji. They only buy once and then they didn't like it. They never want to say any word and then change the suppliers to any other place like Papua New Guinea or like Vanuatu or like in other country, right? So for them, yeah, we're the one of it. But then for the farmer side, that's the biggest stage to become the star of their life. They can have a big money coming in. So all those expectations, they break their heart by promising. So if somebody wants to buy anything from other country, they have to be more responsible to the end of it, you know, just to the life of them. If they have a cyclone, don't get out of other country. They support, do some cyclone funding and give them like a ration or something. You just go there, give them a saw or like a nail or hammers and whatever. Because that's the heart, you know, like business relationship, but it's more like a human relationship. How hard it is to plant the cocoa under the rainy day in, in harvesting, 
with uh, you know bees, the hornet bees sucking, and uh, red ants, black ants, and so it's it's happened there at, on the ground, and then cyclone coming every often, and then uh, after cyclone like our last cyclone, two years we we can't get anything, no income for two years. We have to support that. If we are ready for that, then buy from the places that you know you think is great place and good area, but if you don't, then uh, you know just buy from uh, bulk suppliers. In the reality, you just need to stick with it. You know, put your life into it. So you wish that chocolate makers would look at working with cocoa farmers more as a partnership activity than a sourcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a marriage, you know. Yeah. Like you have to be responsible. Like don't look at other places. Just you stick. You stick with it. You know, <laughs> and. Life or die, you know. Mm-hmm. You right feel you feel like a farmers. You feel like your own cocos. You know, like you can't buy anything anywhere. This is my cocoa. Putting some pride onto that, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm too extreme, but by looking at it from last sixteen years, I think I can see a lots of heartbreaking thing happening, including my farmers. And go there and then. Uh, Tomo, bye-bye, there's a guy buying up to $20 a kilo, whatever the thing. And then, and then next time, what happened to the guy? Oh, the guy never called me anything, nothing happening. Can you still buy? I said, yeah, I can buy. You know, those things happen. So anyway, that's the internal part of it, but it's true. Vinaka. Yeah. Vinaka. The song you're listening to right now was sang to my sister and I as we left a resort on one of the islands off the coast of Nandi. Hey, it was hard to resist those pristine waters, but it seems fitting to play at the end of a bittersweet episode, airing during a pandemic. I can't imagine what the people of Fiji, who do depend upon tourism, are feeling right now. My heart goes out to them, and everyone else whose lives have been upended and even lost. These are unprecedented times, and honestly, I'm not sure what Fiji's cacao industry looks like now, or a year from now. My advice for all of us now is the same as last month's. Stay in touch with loved ones and buy good chocolate. At home for now, and eventually once again on the road. Before I do the outro, a quick pandemic-induced note. Due to loss of income during the pandemic, I'll now be doing this show whenever I have a chance. It won't be consistent. I'm honestly not sure when the next episode will be, and I probably will do a lot more individual interviews, as everyone is unable to travel, including myself. For now, I'm focusing my energy on income-earning projects, as these episodes are also expensive to produce, earn no money, and take at least 40 hours to put together. Each one. And on to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Chocolate on the Road. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, and share it in any way you see fit. Your support makes 
all the effort put into each episode worth it. And especially huge thank you this week to Tomo, Benjamin, Zane, and Nico for being in this episode and for being such great guests. To learn more about our guests, check out the show notes for this episode at the link in the description or on my website at damecacao.com. That's D-A-M-E-C-A-C-A-O dot C-O-M. Have a wonderful day, and I hope you'll join me next time we go on the road. Thank mm-hmm. you.